we're all going to come in tomorrow, and I promise you those guys in the locker room, the men that we have, going to come in with the mindset of how we get better, not worrying about our record and the fact that we are 3-0, and uh, and just worried about how do we go 1-0 and next week. Taco got credit for a sack on you. Did you have a chance to talk to him after the game? Say again? Taco got credit for a sack on you. Did you have a chance to talk to him after the game? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I told Taco, obviously, good luck. Uh, yeah, good luck on everything. I'm mean, going to tell him congrats on that sack or anything. I mean, that was that was whatever. I could have thrown it away. Uh, but he got that. He can have that one. Why did you throw it away? Completion percentage. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thank y'all. only thing else I got to say is, how about them Cowboys? How about them Cowboys indeed? Cows win, cows win, cows win. The Dallas football Cowboys start the 2019 season a perfect 3-0 as the dumpster fire Miami Dolphins rolled into the Death Star and made it a game for a half. 31-6, the final score for Week 3, as the Cowboys cover the outrageous spread late, and we're here at The Athletic to go far beyond the box score. Welcome in again to About Them Cowboys. I'm Kent Garrison, producer behind the scenes, an official PA announcer of the show, and it's time to welcome in our Cowboys experts for this episode. First, the one who was at the game, beating down the door of the Jones suite and being escorted out promptly by Rosie. It's Father John Mishota. Hey, John. What's up, boys? Just doing the work. Just doing the work, man. And as I welcome in our guide for this session, KT Turner, I just want to say, KT, that I was about half right on my 79 to 10 score prediction. So that's got to count for something, right? Yeah, you were almost there. And I was pulling for uh, the Cowboys to really load up in the second half and really try to get to that 79 mark. But uh, they called off the dogs, unfortunately. (laughs) If they had really tried this game, I feel like they could have gotten there. But they they let off the the gas a little bit. and um, But it's got to count for half of something, at least. Absolutely. Hey, at least they covered, right? Exactly. That was uh, it was interesting at the at the end to see if they would cover. A lot of people were probably hoping for that, but uh, but yeah, man, quite a game, quite a game for the first half. I was I was uh, really liking the competition there. It was way more of a football game than I expected it to be in the first half, and uh, but the Cowboys pulled away late, Kev. Yeah, they absolutely did. But it it was a thing where even all week leading up to this game, I personally was not excited as I I should have been. Normally, I like to. You know, try to watch a little bit of the team. And I was like, man, the Dolphins are just not fun. They suck the life out of everything. I mean, the the Dolphins are the guy that go out to karaoke and do sad songs. Or the Dolphins are the guy who had a house party like to put on Hello by Lionel Richie. Like, they just don't. They're not a party team. Uh, so it's going to be a lot more fun to get ready for the Saints and then the Packers the next two weeks than it is the Dolphins. But I'll be darned if... I, I was browsing through Father John Machado's five key plays, and the and the, the number one key play of the game to me is 10-6, and the Dolphins have the ball, and they're on the Cowboys' seven-yard line trying to score before the half. And I was thinking to myself, are you really about to go to halftime losing to the Miami Dolphins? And as you mentioned in your article, John, Jalen Smith, kind of the key play of the day, ripping the ball out and the fumble recovery to kind of, kind of save at least a, a halftime lead for the Cowboys. Yeah, I really I feel like there's a lot of luck there, to be honest with you, because yeah. Kenyon Drake made a great move to avoid Demarcus Lawrence and Jalen Smith. And that, so he fakes them both out. And as Jalen Smith is falling down, he reaches back and just swipes the ball. Uh, and then and so Demarcus Lawrence is on the ground and he rolls over and the ball just happens to be right there. Right. I mean, it just it's kind of one of those things where 
that's what happens when good teams play bad teams. Eventually, just something like that happens. And, and I mean, the Dolphins, like the Cowboys were saying all last week, you know, they played the Patriots tough in the first half, and then, you know, everything kind of caved in, and that's exactly what happened in this game. But, yeah, no, that play right there was key because, like you said, I mean, I still think that the Cowboys end up winning by two or three touchdowns, but it would have made it a lot more interesting going into half and, and them trailing. And, and and that certainly would have been something that we never would have saw coming, not only just because of the line, but basically because this is the best Cowboys team we've seen in a while. And this is a Dolphins team that is really, it's it's unlike most NFL teams in that it's like an NBA team that's just straight up tanking. And you know it. And, and that's one of the reasons why, uh, you know, I completely agree with your point about the, you know, being the guy at the party turning on the Lionel Richie music. It's just like when you know that that team isn't even trying to win. And I mean, there's no better example than them last week. You know, I think it was on Friday, Brian Flores' press conference. He's talking about, I don't know if Taco can get in there. You know, I mean, he's only been here for a few hours. He's been in a couple of meetings. That's a, that's a lot to ask. The guy played damn near the entire game because yeah. they're just terrible and they don't have any talent. And I want to be clear. I meant hello by Lionel Richie. Not all night long. Everyone knows that's the oh, jam. Oh, yeah, yeah. Good call. <laughs> um, we're not going to go drive by drive or anything like that, but I do want to just kind of let's start from the beginning real quick, man. The, the Dolphins get the ball and then they get the 40 yard bomb to Devontae Parker. And uh, our we all have the mutual friend Jeff Cavanaugh here in uh, a text message goes, you know what? I think Cheeto is Brandon Carr. He's the guy who's not going to get interceptions, but he's always going to be close. Uh, what do you think about that observation from our buddy Jeffrey? <laughs> You know, uh, I, I, I can understand that, and I don't think that that's a bad comparison. Uh, you know, as Rod Marinelli, as long as he's been the defensive coordinator, uh, they're set up in a bend-but-don't-break type defense where it's, you know, they don't really take gambles at the cornerback spot. It's it's keep your guys in front of you. If they catch the ball, you know, tackle them right away. That it's don't give up anything big, and so it's to keep stuff in front of you. The one thing I will say about Cheeto, though, the, it's, the more I watch him, the more it's just like he's – so close to being right there to making a play. And and there's just been some really impressive plays made against him on, on stuff where you're like, man, I don't know how you can be in a much better position than that. And, and I mean, that was the situation right there. Um, but yeah, you know, that's the thing. That's what, I, you know, I know I'm sure we'll talk about the defense plenty, but I, I that's that's the one thing. If you tell me this team falls short of making some type of a Super Bowl run or something in the playoffs and, and they're relatively healthy, uh, I'm going to point to a lack of turnovers. That's that's it's been the you know I, I mean it's an old just repeat song over and over again. But but that's the one thing with this team. And even through three games, you're just kind of sitting there and you're like, you know, the really good teams get you know in the high 20s, at least you know low 30s in turnovers. And this just looks like a team that might just be won a game. And I just I don't think 16 is enough. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. And even uh, again, I was reading your article uh, about the five key plays, and you're talking about 20. Uh, you know, the 20s are the number they had last year. It's just you need a little bit more than that if we're going to take this defense uh, incredibly seriously and talk about them as being a top five or top ten defense. But, you know, I think I think that's the type of thing, too, where those things, when they do start to happen, they start to kind of happen in bunches. So maybe we'll see what happens, you know, as we go a little bit forward. You're going to get a, some teams that are kind of airing it out even a little more than the Dolphins. I mean, the Dolphins are – the Dolphins are a weird team to evaluate. Like the, I, I walked away after this game, going, I don't feel worse about the team, about the Cowboys. I don't feel better about the Cowboys. I feel the exact same, and it's mainly because they played the Dolphins. It's just such a weird team 
to uh, get a measure measuring stick out and go, oh, well, here's here's where we are after we played the Dolphins. You know, I kind of just looked at the game and said, we didn't have any serious injuries, right? All right, we got out of there, 3-0. and All right, moving on down the road. No, the injury thing, I'm glad you pointed it out because that, you know, that's the thing is right when the game's over and we go down to the locker room, the first person we get is Jerry Jones because the locker room is still technically not open for usually like at least another five minutes. And at the beginning of those, it's it's usually a what, what's going on with this player, what's going on with this player, and just getting some type of injury update because, you know, Jerry will give it to you. He'll tell you what, what he's hearing. So that's one of the things you always try and knock out. And, like, today was just one of those days where you really didn't have to ask that. And that, you know, aside from getting the win and, and doing it in the fashion they did, getting out of there healthy is, is certainly number one. And then also uh, doing that in the fact that you got to rest Xavier Woods, you got to play without Gallup, you got to get yeah. another week of rest for Tyrone Crawford. So a lot of those things, too, that weren't involved in the game, uh, yeah, no, those are also wins as well. So the Dolphins missed the field goal in their first drive. Then the Cowboys get it. Big 37-yarder to Amari Cooper just kind of running over the middle. And it really early on offensively just kind of had the vibe of the Cowboys kind of playing with their food really for the whole first half. They end up settling for a field goal. So they get uh, they go up 3 nothing, and then uh, end up scoring on their second drive as uh, Dak hit Amari on a short one. Really, the big play on that drive is it's third and 20, and Dak channels Russell Wilson by going out to his right. And the great play about this uh, this play uh, is Dak knew exactly where the line of scrimmage was because he took two steps horizontal before he threw the ball up to Witten and ended up converting the first down. If you watch it in slow motion – you can see Dak kind of put his head down for a minute, and then you could just just tell by his feet he knew he couldn't go uh, forward anymore, and he like went horizontal just for a split second. I mean, he knew exactly where the line of scrimmage was, and then lofted it over the top to Witten for a 33 yard gain that really saved the drive, and then uh, led to the Cowboys getting a touchdown and then a 10 nothing lead. Yeah, I, I put that one as my number one play in the game just because. It showed you a little bit of that, you know, Dak's been so good from the pocket, but it also shows you what he can do as a playmaker outside the pocket. And obviously third and 20, just, you know, they needed a spark. And, and that was just, that's not a play that's drawn up. It's kind of things break down and you have to go to that. And, and you are absolutely right. The key to that was not stepping over that line of scrimmage. And so basically when he gets out there on the right, it comes down to almost a two-man game between him and Witten. And then the guy in between them, I want to make sure I get his name right because I'd never heard of him before today, uh, Dolphins corner Jamal Wiltz, number 33. He comes up and basically has a decision to make. Either I go with Witten or I come up and I try and get Dak. And when Dak started getting close to the line of scrimmage, it looked like he might run. Wiltz came up and then that's when Dak dropped the ball over the top to Jason Witten. And really, it's it's been a while since Jason Witten has had a game like that that turned into 33 yards, I believe it was. And it, just, it was just one of those plays where um, it just kind of got things going. And it, it just, the biggest takeaway that in, in my five, you know, key plays, a lot of it what ends up being is just, it's not really about today. It's about what you saw from this and what that means going forward in terms of other guys stepping up and seeing different things. And just Dak being able to make that play is just, I mean, that's kind of a vintage Dak using his athleticism. So you put that on top of what you've seen him do through the pocket. It just seems like everything that he's doing right now uh, is clicking. Yeah, it is. And, and I do, because uh, you made the great point, it's not about today. I want to bring up the interception that happened in the second quarter. At the time, 
I believe it was ten to six at the time that that he uh, threw that interception. Uh, it might have been ten. It was ten to three at the time he threw that interception. And this is kind of where I was going. Yeah, it was the first play of the second quarter, and he was scrambling out to his right. And he kind of threw it into triple coverage, and then uh, you know it's an interception. But it was a situation where he took a gamble after the game. He admitted that it was greedy, and it was him being greedy, and uh, he called it a heat check, which I thought was pretty good because he was basically saying, hey, I've been on fire lately, so let's heat check it here. Um, But that's the type of play that I'm going, man, I don't mind that throw happening because for as much as Dak gets criticized for – or maybe not criticized. Maybe he's been lauded for this as well. Maybe not throwing interceptions. But I think there's been a a, a section of people out there who have said, man, he needs to, to take more risks and things like that. I'm okay with doing that type of thing in a game like this that you feel like you're going to win no matter what. Kind of throwing out there and having the confidence to try to make a play like that. I actually kind of liked that that happened. And, you know, there was a couple other drops. Uh, Cooper had a big drop and, and Jarwin had a drop that – they kind of killed some Cowboys first half momentum. So I guess what I'm what I'm trying to say is that I'm okay with that interception. I kind of I kind of like it. Yeah, I just for me it was it was just so unlike Dak because what we've seen up through, you know, over three years now, you can make the argument that his greatest strength up until this point is his decision making. He just generally doesn't make really bad decisions. And that was just one of the worst decisions I've ever seen him make, just because uh, you know, he had seven, eight seconds in the pocket there. It was one of those things where he was so clean that it was like, all right, let me try and let me try and try something kind of wild right now because there, there's no one near me. Let's see if th- let's see if this thing works as opposed to like what Dak normally does in that situation is just run, get a few yards and, and then just move on to the next play. Or if he does attempt to throw there, it's usually something that's pretty safe. One of the things I will say not just that throw, but some others that we've seen this year. And I know KT, you can speak to this from, you know, watching film of the last few years. Like Dak generally wasn't big the previous years and thrown over the middle. And now this year, you've seen him doing that a lot more. And I don't know if that was a Scott Linehan, Jason Garrett, just, you know, in his head, like, hey, avoid the middle of the field. That's where a lot of these turnovers happen. We want you to, you know, we want you to be more of a game manager until you kind of progress in your career. But it's clear that, that Kellen Moore is allowing him, you know, he's, he's drawing up plays. There's things that are open in the middle of the field and Dak's, and Dak's taking them. So that is a good sign. And, and, and anybody that's taking shots like that downfield, you're going to get interceptions. It just, I just thought that it was kind of out of character for Dak to, for that, do that certain play just because I've, I really haven't seen him do anything like that in the previous three years. And, and you're right. Now, I want to I want to be clear, too. I wasn't like saying, like, oh, yes, yeah, so more of that, more crazy interceptions. <laughs> I just like the fact that, you know, it, when, the way he talked about it after they called it a heat check, I'm just going, man, nah, there's the confidence in the whole, you know, narrative of taking a step forward in year four and all that stuff. It's like, yeah, that's a sign that he's taking a step forward. He's confident that he can go make that play. Um, and, and what you're saying about the middle of the field is so interesting to me because, you know, the Linehan offense and the, the route concepts, it seemed like we're just so isolated so many times. Uh, you know, go uh, do a comeback route, uh, one-on-one, go win the matchup type thing. And I kind of, my parallel is just like, think about, uh, you know, playing basketball. Well, if you want to get a guy open in basketball, what do you do? You set a screen for him, all right? And you create a little traffic so he can get open and get the ball. And that's what the Kellen Moore offense is. We've seen a little more of these route concepts. You know, nothing extreme, but we've seen a lot of these route concepts that have 
messed with the middle of the field and you've got guys crossing each other and a little more traffic, then that just stresses out the defense. And also the ability to stretch out the defense. There was a play that they didn't convert, but they threw a bomb ski up to uh, Devin Smith one time, uh, I think in, in the first half. And it was double covered, but it was thrown in an area where Devin Smith was the only guy who could catch it. But I just sat there and went, man, the surface area that these defenses have to cover on the Cowboys is so much different than last year. And last year against the Cowboys, the surface area you had to cover was not much, man, because you had no threat of the deep ball. And you pretty much knew the it was a very defined area, a defined box on the field uh, that you had to cover. Now you got to cover everything. And that's that's just so different and takes away game planning and it opens up the run as we saw today. It's just there's just so many positives that you can take take away from that. So we talked a little bit earlier. It's it's 10-6 at the half. Uh the big fumble, uh the big play from Jalen Smith, you know, like stripping the ball out and as you mentioned, a little luck goes into that play and they get the turnover. But it's 10-6 at the half. I I'm interested to see if these players if they what the tone was at halftime. I don't it's, I don't know uh, if that's the type of thing where it's, oh, well, we're only beating the Dolphins 10-6, and then Jason Garrett goes and chews everybody out. I don't know if it's that type of thing, but I did notice a little more second-half energy and a little more second-half juice, a little more sense of urgency in the second half. Did you see that as well? I really did, and, and you know, I was interested in that too, especially because Dak has just been incredible in the third quarters, and he continued that today. Uh, you know, he hasn't thrown an he hasn't thrown an incomplete pass in the third quarter all season yet. So crazy, so, it is, and so that's what I was thinking too. Is I'm like, man, who got into who, and, and at, at halftime or whatever, Mari Cooper said he was getting treatment. I don't know. I, I saw somewhere I think it was Jane Slater said he had a bloody nose or whatever like that. And then uh, when Dak was asked about it, he was saying that guys are generally like kind of. You know, if they have some kind of a nick or, or are injured, they, they're taking care of that. Um, there's a lot of guys that like to switch their uniforms uh, before the second half, whether it be because of sweat or they just, you know, uh, want to get out of their the uniform at halftime and then get back in. Like, it just doesn't seem like what you'd think. And I, and I will say, especially from, you know, on Saturdays when you watch college football and, and halftime seem like they take forever. Like, halftime is so quick in the NFL. I, I mean, it's like... It's like, boom, they go out there, they bring out, you know, some dancers and then boom, they're gone. And next thing you know, they're, they're kicking off again. It's like, I think it's 15 minutes. It feels like it's about five. So it makes me wonder about that because I thought the same thing. The way they came out in that third quarter, I was like, oh, there was somebody that must have really just stood up and, and said something to this group. And at least from the offensive side, it doesn't sound like that's what happened at all. I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure that there was a brief talk in, in the group, but. It doesn't sound like anybody kind of spoke up over everybody else and said, "Hey guys, you know, let's let's get this together." Obviously, using a lot more expletives than that, <laughs> but uh, no, that's I just I didn't get that sense at all, which is crazy because I, when I'm watching the game, that's all I kept thinking about is I was like, "Hmm, wonder what was said at halftime." Yeah, you know, it's it's actually only 11 minutes, uh, but they came out, and I guess one reason that you feel like you see a little sense of urgency, they had the 74 yard touchdown to Cobb, but it was brought back because of a penalty on Connor Williams, a little holding penalty. It ended up being – there was a, a face mask, you know, on the Dolphins as well. But I was sitting there going, man, that was a that was a huge play right out of the gate. They mean business now in the second half, but then it got called back. And then you're going, okay, well, even though it was an offsetting thing and there was a penalty on both teams, there was a hold on Connor Williams that slowed things down. It's like, man, are we just playing sloppy today? Is that what today is? But then they snapped out of it very quickly. Uh, great pass to to uh, Devin Smith, 
and then he had a really tough run. You man, Devin Smith, known as kind of just a one-trick pony, kind of a deep ball guy type thing. Man, he's played really physical, and uh, he did a great job running after the catch. And then uh, Dak hit Cobb again, and then the the Amari uh, Cooper touchdown strike right over the middle. Man, a great throw right over the middle of the seam. Once again, as you mentioned, working the middle of the field, and it was seventeen to six after the Cowboys' first drive in the second half. Man, and I, and I'll tell you what, I know it's a bad team, and and you can easily point to that. But I just think that that whole drive, that everything you described, and I just said so much about this is just a this is a good football team. I don't care who they've played. Uh, to overcome that adversity of of giving up. I mean, you think that, hey, we just came out, we got this big touchdown to Cobb, and then a guy that, that commits the holding is kind of a guy that, you know, people look at as, oh, this guy's the weak link of this, you know, really talented offensive line, and, and you know, he's already kind of getting, um, you know, at least if you go on social media, he's kind of getting trashed on a little bit because he's, he's not as good as the other four guys. <laughs> but to overcome that and to do it so quickly the way they did, was like machine like and 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 that's what good teams do. That's what the Patriots do to the other AFC East teams, yeah. you know, and that's what they've been doing for years and and it, it, you don't always have to do that, you know, against good teams. It, just to do that against anybody in the NFL is impressive and the way they were able to put that behind them and just keep going and it was just like um I, mean, I, I just put it this way. That that's not something that I necessarily saw from from pre- previous Cowboys teams I covered. I thought for this being the game that it was, I thought that was a that was a great sign that they were able to overcome that as as quickly and and as precisely as they did. And it's seventeen six, and then the Dolphins get the ball, and this was another play featured on your uh, five plays. Uh, you know, it's a great article, really good. Check it out. It's where I learned that Dak was twenty two of twenty two in the third quarter so far uh, this year. Um, but it's the Robert Quinn sack. It's third and twelve, and then Robert Quinn uh, beats the rookie left tackle. And then uh, gets the sack on Josh Rosen. And then the Cowboys would get the ball back immediately after making it a two-score game. That was huge. And you you were right to put that in your article of the uh, five key plays in the game. Yeah, I just – it's it's and it's not just about this game. When when I brought that up, it's just about the going forward and and, and what it says. Because you have Robert Quinn, Demarcus Lawrence, and Malik Collins. That's as talented as as a a three – you know, defensive linemen that this Cowboys team has had together as once. Obviously, I'm, I'm not taking those guys over to Marcus Ware in his prime. Yeah. But I'm saying of the Jason Garrett era since 2011, that's the best trio that they've had working together. All of them are healthy right now. You get Antoine Woods back. You get Tyrone Crawford back. There's just a lot of talent up front there. And instead of just always, you know, thinking, ah, you know, Tank's got to get home. Tank's got to get home. What's he doing? What's he doing? Like, to have a guy like Robert Quinn coming off that right end and, and being fresh not knowing how many snaps he was going to play and just see him out there and just really the thing about him is just his speed and it just jumped out at you, you know, right from the beginning. So to see him get home on that, it, it's, again, it was a big play in this game, but it's also about what it says going forward because, you know, if you're Demarcus Lawrence, you got to just love seeing that because now you got, like I said, Malik Collins too. And you just got guys that like, they just can't double you all the time. And so someone has got to benefit from that. And, and, and that's why I, th- I thought it was a big play because it was kind of, it's kind of just opening your eyes to, hey, you know, there was a lot of talk about Robert Quinn coming in, but we really didn't get to see much of him because of the injury and then the suspension. And to see him jump in here week three against his old team and get that sack, I just think that's a big sign. Because really, let's be honest, I mean, through these first three games, they haven't gotten the pressure that we thought they would at this point. Yeah, and it, it, I felt like they would get pressure in this game with Rosen, you know, who's not known to be terribly nifty and 
you know, just just young and inexperienced, and, and again playing the Dolphins. So it's good to finally see that and see some flashes from some guys. Um, that that sack though was huge because the Cowboys again. You're talking about there's a little the little things you can take out of these games to, and look forward. You know, it is the Dolphins, but you need to beat up on them a little bit. Then they got a nine play, seventy five yard drive. I'm sorry, seventy six yard drive, and took up six minutes of the clock in the third quarter. Really. You know, put this game late into the third quarter by scoring again. It was Dak running it in for eight yards. But a lot of the things that set up in that entire drive, they threw it to Zeke a couple times. Uh, Pollard had a couple runs. One, he, he cracked off a 12 yard run. Um, it threw it. Uh, I mentioned the Zeke got involved in the passing game uh, two or three times in that drive, and Witten, and then Cooper, and then finally uh, Dak ends the drive with a with a touchdown run right there. And 24-6, and before you know it, it's not a game anymore. So I thought that was huge, and the Robert Quinn sack set up this uh, next drive where Dak ended up scoring uh, with his feet. Yeah, and I really like that touchdown because of the fact that it just shows you again, hey, don't forget, you know, Dak, Dak has that ability to do that whenever he wants. And, and believe me, he's not a run-first quarterback. He would never have thrown that ball to Jason Witten on that third and 20 if he was a run-first guy or even a guy that was thinking about <laughs> running. I mean, his first thing is clearly to find somebody in the passing game, and, and you've seen that just his improvement as a thrower just his entire time really as being the starting quarterback of the Cowboys. And so to see that, especially in the red zone, because you see it so often where they run you know different plays, especially like the, the read option stuff where – you know, there's a lot of people that can run read option, whether it be high school, college, and even other teams in the pros that have a quarterback that isn't that mobile. And so, yeah, you still have to kind of honor it, but you know, hey, the quarterback's probably not keeping here. With Dak Prescott, you have to honor that every single time because he can run at any single time, especially in the red zone. They love using him down there. And in that, that I just love the play design of that too because he rolls out to his right and it kind of puts him out there where it's it's three guys three Cowboys on the right side of the field, and there's only two Dolphins. And so, again, it's kind of like the third and 20 play where the Dolphins are forced to have to pick, who, what am I going to do? And what? And their defensive back, again, let me look at the roster real quick because these names aren't anything anybody's going to know at home. Right. Uh, this play came down to uh, a gentleman by the name of Walt Aikens, a safety, uh, number 35. My guy. He he had to decide on basically, do I stay with Jason Witten here or do I come over and I and, and I and – I, you know, go after Dak. And by the time he saw, as soon as Dak crosses the line of scrimmage and he knows I got to get back over there, it was just too late. And, and again, I, I mean, yeah, the play looked easy there, but the way the design was, I can see that play working against a lot of teams in the NFL. Absolutely. And it fits the whole mold of this offense, which this offense is now just doing a few extra things that makes the defense think more. And it's all about slowing down the defense. The game happens so fast Slow down the defense. Make them cover more area. Make them take more things into account. Make things more complicated for them. You, you know that touchdown, uh, to me, there's a there's a play that happened in the Washington game. I'm going to backtrack real quick. Where Ryan Kerrigan is, I mean, one of the most savvy defenders in the, in the league. And Zeke broke off a big run. But uh, against Washington, it was a good probably 15-yard run. But he had a hole open up because... Ryan Kerrigan didn't know if Dak was going to hand the ball off to Zeke or keep it for himself, and he accounted for Dak. And if he wouldn't have accounted for Dak and, and have taken Zeke, then Dak would have kept it and probably would have gotten five or six yards. But it's just it's just a whole other element of the offense that they don't even have to show or expose yet, you know. And when you, when they need it and they're playing a really good team, and maybe we'll start to see, you know, or maybe we'll start to take these things way more seriously when they do happen against the Saints or the Packers and these 
two uh, games coming up against better teams. I just I just love that element of the offense and, the, and that it's there. And I love that the fourth quarter is not terribly exciting. I mean, look, it would have been fun if they would have got to 79 points like Kent wanted. But the fact that, you know, you had Tony Pollard go get 100 yards, you had Zeke get 100 yards, and you had the offensive line pretty much take over the game. That's enough for me to just hang my hat on and go, all right, everyone feeling good? 3-0, and let's get ready for next week. Yeah, I was a- after the game thinking of the – Tony Pollard and Zeke thing. It was it was interesting. Usually Zeke talks by himself uh, up against a wall, like kind of in the middle of the locker room, just so he doesn't have to be at his locker, and because everybody obviously is around him. And so we get in the locker room today, and Tony Pollard's with Zeke, and so they did kind of like a uh, a group interview, which it, it really reminded me of kind of like NBA Finals, where you know, like I remember with the Heat, that's where I kind of started. Stood, that stood out to me, like LeBron and Dwayne Wade yeah. would talk at the same time. And, and they kind of did that, and it was like it was like Zeke wanting him to be in there as well because, you know, the last thing Zeke wants is for people to think that, you know, he's against Tony Pollard because he's <laughs> taken away carries from him. Like, Zeke loves that Tony Pollard's, you know, coming up because, as he said today, it was the, I can go out if I got a little nick or, or I can sit there and go out if I need to get a breather. And I got this other guy coming in who... We're not going to take it. It's not going to be this letdown like, oh, yeah. you know, the defense can I take it easy. This guy can gash you too. And, and, and I mean, hey, I, I understand the Dolphins knew that game was over, um, but I don't think that's why Tony Pollard scored there. I just I thought it was a great play. It was well black, blocked by Dalton Schultz and, and Tyron Smith. And it just the nice cutback move you saw from Tony Pollard and then just the speed after that. Like, again, like it's one thing. Okay, yeah, we already knew the game was in hand, but it's just, it's not just about today. It's about going forward because I still don't think we've seen even a quarter of the plays that, that Tony Pollard can be used in just because of the fact that, for, for, for one, the guy, the guy lined up as a receiver most of the time he was at Memphis. We haven't seen that at all yet. And then we, we did get to see, I know there was one play for sure. There might have been a couple more, but the one I remember for sure uh, where you actually had Zeke and Pollard out on, on the same time. Like I just think there's so much more you can play off of that as long as his confidence continues to build, build like it seems it has. And so I guess, I guess what I'm trying to say is I know it's been three games, but uh, you know, nobody listening to this should think that like Kellen Moore has shown all of the playbook now, and now it's all about teams adjusting to him because that's far from the case. There's plenty of things that they haven't even tried yet. Um, and and, and I'll, I'll go back to you real quick, KT, but I just wanted to add one other thing is when you were talking about you know Dak running the ball too. You know we've saw, We saw a little bit today, and, and I saw it a couple times in practice. I wanted to see if they were going to run it, but they kind of run an option play where, where you know Dak yeah. gets out on, on the outside. And, and, and obviously, you know, today he pitched on him. And, and, and in practice, I've seen him pitch on him too. But he'll keep pitching on that thing until someone leaves him, and then he's going to run with that. And I think, you know, the only way that he'll go with it is if it's wide open. But much like that Redskins game, if he sees an opening like that, he it, this isn't just a mobile quarterback. This is a guy that can turn a little, little bit of an opening into a 15, 20, 30-yard game. Yeah, it was third and two on that play, and there were three wide receivers on the right. Okay, and they ran left and then pitched it and got the first down easily. And you're making a great point about how that opens things up. But I started to go, man, imagine last year if it was third and two and they were going to run for it for a first down. What would they have done? They would have brought in three tight ends. They would have jammed up the box. They would have ran it right into the middle. And they probably wouldn't have got the first down. Or if they did, it would have been very ugly. So I, I like that. And I, I like that. Kellen understands the geography of the game. And geography, the geometry of the game. He also knows where they play each week. But uh, the geometry you know, you know what's of the interesting, game. <laughs> you know what's interesting about that is that we've seen it through these first three games. 
And, and it makes me wonder, like, because when you say that, obviously the first play I think of is that Rams game where they went to go get the one yard. Oh. And when I think about that, I'm, it makes me wonder, you know, will they, if, if this season goes the way we think it will, and, and, you know, they get in the playoffs, will they continue to do all of that in those type of clutch situations? Or will they revert back a little bit to their bread and butter in those situations? And so that's why I think you need a full body of work through this season so that they're comfortable with all this other, this stuff. But that play in, in, in Los Angeles, just that was like a Jason Garrett type play. You know, that was, you know, this is what we do. We have, we spent all these picks on this offensive line. We spent this fourth overall pick on Ezekiel Elliott. We're running right at you. If, you, if you're going to stop us, stop us. Well, they did. Now with Kellen Moore, it's like, will they use all those different, the, the different options now that they have, you have to honor everything that's on the field. You hope that they would. But you really don't know until you actually see it in those situations. I, I agree a hundred percent. Like I, I swear, I feel like I've had these conversations with my friends like on the side too. Like I just don't know if we can fully believe it yet. I want to. I want to believe that the change is real. But you just can't help but think what happens when things get tough or a couple things. You know, you start playing better teams and you get a few stops. What happens? You know, because it's been pretty easy offensively for the first three weeks. So let's see what happens when it does eventually get tough, and it will. They will have a couple of bad offensive games. Well, let's see what happens then and how they react to it. I want to talk about a few ancillary uh, just uh, notes uh, and observations from the game and just throw them at you real quick. Uh, let's start with the Jeff Heath-Allen Hearns play. I know Jeff Heath uh, felt horrible about that, and he clearly looked, at least from watching on TV, that – his eyes were on the ball the whole time. Obviously, it wasn't a dirty hit or anything like that. Uh, is there any updates on that or any reaction from that in the locker room after the game, given that Hearns was with the team last year? You know, I didn't I didn't really hear anything from the players I was around, per se, which would have been, you know, Ezekiel Elliott, Tony Pollard, Demarcus Lawrence, and Dak and those guys. But um, I will say reading the quote sheet um, from the Dolphins locker room, I know some of their players – uh, we're upset about that, and that's fine. I mean, I understand. I mean, th- I think that they're more upset at the result as opposed to the hit. And and when I say that, I just I, when I saw the replay, it, it certainly looked like in and when we're at training camp, um, they always bring out one day. Uh, you know, it's usually early in camp. They'll bring out uh, a group of it's usually three or four officials, and they'll explain the rules changes. And then when they're done doing that, they show us a video, and it's the same video they end up showing the team. And then when they're done, you're able to ask questions and that. And, you know, that was one of the big things that, that was, was discussed this year at training camp was about, you know, the leading with your head and, and those type of penalties. And, and a lot of it, at least the way I gathered it, was if your head's up and it's a face mask type hit, they're generally not going to call it. And that's what it looked like to me. It looked like his head was up and it wasn't like he was leading, you know, like almost like trying to be like a missile and leading with your head first with the crown. And because he wasn't doing that, I think that's why they didn't call it. Because certainly on a play like that, you know, they're – if his head was down, you know, he's obviously getting penalized for that. And and that, really, Jeff, he doesn't have some history of being some type of a, a dirty player or anything like that. I think the biggest thing for me, though, and I think a lot of people that were there, was just the fact that it was just so crazy how it happened at almost the exact same spot yeah. where Hearns had that ankle injury the last time he was at AT&T Stadium, which was, you know, the the playoff win over Seattle. I mean, you just feel you feel bad for the guy. But I just, I don't know. I mean, I only saw two replays of it, and I didn't get a chance to watch it again after the game. But I, did, I didn't think it was a dirty play. I just felt like 
that's what kind of happens when you have great athletes running full speed at each other. Yeah, my takeaway was like uh, there there shouldn't have been a flag just because, again, it looked like Heath was playing the ball. But if the flag was thrown, I wouldn't have been like, no. You know, I wouldn't have had some fight about it because it's what the league is now. You know, if there's a violent hit Do you hear, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this though. Do you think do you think the player matters? Like if that was Julio or DeAndre Hopkins, do you think there would have been a flag? Oh man, that's a very that's that's a great question, man. I probably right. I don't know, man. I, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know, but it just seems like whether it's the NBA or NFL and stuff like that, like in the pros, it just seems like some of these guys get those type of calls like that. I don't I don't know. I just it made me wonder when it happened because I just see certain quarterbacks take hits and then I see Tom Brady take a hit and then it gets flagged, you know, and you're just yeah. like that doesn't look that bad, you know. So, it makes me wonder if it would have been any different in that situation, but I agree with you 100%. If they would have thrown a flag there, I don't think I don't think anybody should have been like that's just an awful call. I mean, it was just such a violent, you know, hit. Um, Those are so 50-50 I mean, now too. You just yeah. don't even know. I mean, as you mentioned, it's it's hard to even know the rules on that that, but like when you start get, getting into players intent and things like that, it, it, it's such a gray area, but I, I, I just, you know, that's what I, I thought that was all that was fascinating. Just given the history of Hearns and uh, the, the safety play has been something we've been talking about a lot around here. And speaking of safety play segue, my guy, Darian Thompson showing up today. How about a little flash from Darian Thompson? Uh, the play that really jumped out was the one on the uh, near the goal line or inside the ten yard line. Tristan Hill blew it up in the middle, uh, created a little opening for Darian Thompson to come through on third down and make a tackle. It was good to see Darian Thompson get a little play while uh, everyone else seems to be talking about Donovan Wilson so much. Yeah, I mean that's why they went with the veteran guy. Um, I thought that Donovan Wilson would get some some more playing time you know i don't even i don't even think he did get in at the end he might have i, don't, I went down to the locker room early because uh um the game wasn't close but no um yeah i don't know i, I don't just, know if he got I, in either I, I didn't notice him if he did and it obviously wouldn't yeah. have been pointed out on the broadcast so i know jason garrett really likes gary and thompson a lot he feels comfortable with him obviously being a guy that i think he started every game two years ago for the giants so i mean he has that experience and um you know it's like it's i think you could say a lot of the same stuff that you'd say about the way the Cowboys feel about Jeff Heath. Um, you know, uh, you know, I, I don't think it's a secret. Everybody knows that Xavier Woods has got a higher ceiling um, of, of all the safeties there, but they're just very, very comfortable with the things that Jeff Heath does. And I, and I feel yeah. like that's the same way with Darian Thompson. They just know that like, yeah, yeah, we don't expect him to be Ed Reed back there, but we know um, 90, 90, 95, 99% of the time, he's going to be in the right spot. And, and, and I'm telling you again, with this defense, that's what they want. Like they're going to give up plays and they understand that, but it's, it's this is give max effort all the time. Don't make stupid mistakes, be in the right place and everything will take care of itself. And, and that was their, that was their feelings of, you know, a few years back. And now that the offense continues to get better, it makes sense why you do that. Just, I've always wondered, will it come up and kind of catch them? Because I feel like the teams that make, these Super Bowl runs, you know, get these t- these types of turnovers. But Darian Thompson is just a solid guy, obviously a good player to have on your team, that if that's who, who's your guy backing up Xavier Woods, I think you're in pretty good shape. I like him as a strong safety only, you know, uh, closer to the to the line of scrimmage, coming up and trying to make plays like he did today. I, I have 
terrible fear about what would happen if you ask him to have tons of coverage responsibility. Because uh, I think that would get bad. I think that would get bad real quick. But those types of plays, getting up in the box and, and those uh, formations of the goal line as well in those situations, I think that's a that's a good good chance for him to you know maybe help out the team a little bit. Even when Xavier Woods is healthy, I don't mind him coming in in the goal line in some of those situations because I just really like Darian Thompson in those. If the other team's going to get a little heavier and try to run the ball and things like that, he's going to make those plays near the line of scrimmage. So good to see him. Good to see Tristan Hill flash just a little bit. A little bit. It wasn't you know uh, some uh, groundbreaking day or anything, but seeing him make a couple plays and they needed him to step up because Tyron Crawford was out and you know that he was going to get. A lot of playing time, and hopefully that's just a building block to just a little bit, a little get a little bit better next week and the week after that because they're going to need him to play because uh, defensive line still banged up even going into next week. You know, Tyron Crawford sounds like he's going to try to play, but man, I I get terrible fear about that hip injury. Man, I I don't feel optimistic that Tyron Crawford plays twelve games this year. I don't know about you. No, I, that's. A huge if right there just because and the thing the reason why I agree with you on that is because he was held out of training camp because of that you know that's why he was always working off the side with Demarcus Lawrence who uh, was held out of of almost all training camp because of the fact of yeah he's coming back from the shoulder surgery these guys are good friends let's have them work out together and uh, and kind of push each other and they did that and so for him to come back and, and he played his normal amount of snaps snaps week one but then in week two, it started bothering him again, and I think he I think he played less than twenty snaps, and, and that just that really raised a red flag. And I, I know that this was kind of the JV game playing against the uh, the Dolphins, and so that's a that's an opportunity to rest him. But yeah, I agree with you. I don't know that that necessarily gets better with just a, a week's worth of rest. Um, I'll say this though. I mean, I, I when I started covering the team, I they were just rolling in and out guys like George Selvey, uh, guys just coming off of free agency and putting them out there on the defensive line. So the way I feel about this defensive line is, is if you have Demarcus Lawrence, Malik Collins, and Robert Quinn healthy, the rest should just take care of itself. You should be able to have a, a Kerry Hyder be able to step in, a Christian Covington. Even if Tristan Hill doesn't end up being uh, you know, some outstanding rookie, even just if he can contribute a little bit, I just think that those guys can fill in the gaps. You get Antoine Woods back. I think I think they'll be fine. But the key is, is you need Demarcus Lawrence and and, uh, and Robert Quinn and Malik Collins to be healthy. If if those guys stay healthy, I think that defensive line is just fine. Last thing before we put this one to bed, did anyone talk about the taco sack uh, in the locker room? Uh, well, uh, Dak did, um, <laughs> you know, and, and said that he could have thrown it away, um, but he uh, he went with the. Uh, excuse that it was because of his completion percentage, and I just think Smart. I think really he was jo- he was joking around, and that was how he he tries, especially after wins, to kind of end on a, on a joke like that. And that was the last <laughs> question he took. And, he was joking, and so I think John, that but he doesn't have a contract yet, so keep that completion right. percentage up there, buddy. That, that that's a good point. Um, but I I don't think that I think he looks at that as it was a mistake. He probably should have just thrown it away. I will say about that play though, I kind of felt bad for Taco because. <laughs> He got that sack and nobody even went over there, you know. And and like when he would get sacks with the Cowboys, I know it wasn't many, but you know all of his teammates would be around. He'd make them pretend tacos and stuff. <laughs> did and he? It was just kind of did like, he wear his Hot Boys hat before the game, John? You know he he did he did. It was the, I mean he looked like he was wearing That's the same sad. exact stuff. 
<laughs> yeah, it was it was interesting because he warmed up and stretched out for like maybe ten minutes with that, and then at one point he uh, took off his taco chain and put it in his hat, and then I think he gave it to uh, one of their equipment managers, and then he finished his warm up. But yeah, no, he had the uh, he had the hat on. I, I will say this, I, I don't we don't have to get too much into taco, but you know, looking at it from an outside perspective and. You know, obviously, we get a chance to talk to Rod and, and some of the guys on the team and stuff like that. You know, I really never got the feeling that like his teammates didn't like him or anything like that. Like, yeah, I didn't like even after the game, he he exchanged jerseys with Jalen Smith. Like they're tight, and and you know, you know what I ultimately think it came down to. Now, now looking back on it, and I was telling somebody this the other day is that I just don't think he's a fit for Rod Marinelli. You know, Rod Marinelli is just going to be on you all the time, and. I don't know a lot of other defensive line coaches because, I mean, I've been around Rod the entire time pretty much. I've covered this team, and, and that's just how he's always been. Whereas, for an example, like Gary Brown, the running backs coach, is is kind of he's – he's got a different coaching style. He's a little bit more laid back. He's kind of like one of the guys, and he keeps the group loose. I think with a coach like that, I think Taco would thrive. But a guy that just gets on him all the time and is always, you know – he, just in in everything that he's doing and everything that he's doing wrong, like 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 Rod probably was, and he needs that effort 100 percent all the time. I just don't think that those two guys are just going to mesh. So yeah. whether that that coach is the one with the Dolphins or not, I don't know. But that's just something I've been thinking about lately. Would have thought they would know that before they drafted the guy, but I mean, yeah. That's, well, I will say this: they believe they can they can coach that out of a guy, and I think that's the problem is that it never dangerous. ended up happening. They thought as he got yeah, well, no, it is, but they thought as he got older. And I'm telling you, one of the things that factors in on this is because he didn't thrive early on at Michigan, and it and he really it was like the light all of a sudden just came on towards the back end of that junior year and then into his senior year, and then particularly his last three or four games there, the bowl game, the Ohio State game. It just they and I think they felt like we can have a similar type of, of run yeah. uh, maybe over a year or two, I guess. So the the one thing I want to mention, KT, that yeah. you didn't mention is uh, the Brett Maher missed field goal. Brett Doinker, uh, as I like to call him now. Uh, Guys, it was 55 yards. I know it was 55 yards, it. but like, like if the game comes down to it, I, I mean, the faith is diminishing by the game. And uh, I know it was 55 yards, but... Again, there's nothing, nothing. Just look at what Dan Bailey did today, guys. That's all I got to say. Dan Bailey, four field goals, four extra points, whatever. I'm just saying, I'm just, uh, I'm just joking around, but, um, I don't think there's a lot of kickers out there that, that you would say that fans are really that confident in. I mean, 20, dude, Goskowski's about to get cut by the Patriots. He's missed three extra points already this year. I don't know what's happened. Like, has there been some, you know, underlying rule change or something yeah, that they move some with the goal, goal post cut too like like they're just i don't know it just it's really weird like there just aren't a lot of kickers that you just i don't know maybe it's always been like that i just haven't noticed it as much and maybe like you know we talked last show that just took dan bailey for granted but like you look across the league like watching that bucks game today and it just i don't know man i think there's a lot of teams that are in similar situations and i mean it's a 55 yard or whatever i i don't think that they're at the point yet where they're they're starting to look around um for other competition. I think they, they're they still pretty happy with him. Um, but yeah, he's not he's not Dan Bailey of 2014? 15? Well, Dan Bailey oh, no, had I can't a, which one was his best a year. missed field goal and a missed extra point last week, too. Uh, 
for Minnesota. So oh, I know. I, I was joking about I Dan know. Bailey. I'm just saying, like, uh, I know. Yeah, it never, know it never used to be. Be you're you're right, John. It never. This guy. I mean, Garrett's probably got to be like every time this guy goes out there, he's probably like, oh, come on, man, come on. It's just never down the middle. He doinks it, or yeah, it's never down the I'm middle. The, it's never like <laughs> uh, a sure thing in, in the short in the short distance. You know, if from Dan Bailey, he wasn't a sure thing, but from forty five on he was a sure thing like anything past 45 is when you got nervous with dan bailey it brett maher you get nervous extra point uh you get nervous uh chip shot field goal game tying field goal game winning field goal up by 30 it doesn't matter let me let me ask you this especially kt i know you you know you follow the draft closely where would you draft a kicker if i told you that he would be like either dan bailey in his prime or have a career like adam venetary like i could guarantee you that this is what this guy would have. Where would you draft him? The at? earliest I would draft uh, a guy like that, and I would also I would if you told me that and you guaranteed me that, okay, I would say, did you used to scout for the Buccaneers or where where did you where did you scout? I would look at your background because <laughs> uh, they've had eight kickers in the last eight years. It's amazing. Um, a fifth round, and they use a second round pick on Aguayo. Yeah, uh, so I would raise my hand and first say I would typically never would draft a kicker, but fifth round would be the earliest I would do it. I'm more interested in drafting a punter who could be a weapon, like we've seen Michael Dixon be with Seattle. Um, J.K. Scott and Green's got this new this punter that's like uh, ridiculous right now. Yeah, like according that's, to Dane, this is like the only guy we've been talking on our prospects to pros podcast about this upcoming draft class. By the way, if you're an NFL draft nerd and want to want to tag along on that, but he's like, yeah, this is like the only punter I've had a grade on, like in the only time I've been doing a draft, you know. So yeah, that could be the special teams this this year. Other than you know. CJ Goodwin's having a great year. You know the coverage teams have been doing well, but I feel like the kicking game has not been not been what it has been in the years past. Nah, but I seriously think if you told me that you give me Adam Venteri and you guarantee me he'd have the same exact career Adam Venteri did, I could I'd easily use a second round pick on that guy. Ooh. I feel like second round picks are almost fifty fifty anyway. And you're going to give me a guy that's yeah. probably a Hall of Famer that's like kicked I don't know two or three huge kicks that have. I mean the Patriots without a doubt have at at least. One for sure, maybe two less Super Bowls without Venetary. Like, if you told me that I get him for his entire career, I yeah. have no problem. I think most a second it, round pick it, on that most guy. NFL teams would take a kicker if they knew he was going to be there for ten years in the second round. It's just, it's just such a mental. It's so so much more of a mental thing. Maybe quarterbacks the only other position, but uh, the other position, and, and you can once you get the jitters, you, sometimes you never get it back, and that's that's the thing. So. Like, uh, well, the Raiders got just killed for taking Janikowski with the 16th or 17th overall pick. And Legend. Then he literally a, retired last year, and he, he retired, like, in that Seattle game, didn't he? When yeah, he when hurt he his caught leg. a cramp like yeah. an old man. He shouldn't hurt have been out leg. there anymore. <laughs> He'd probably still be kicking if it wasn't for that. He's 50, and he drinks <laughs> beers all the time. Like, he didn't have any – he should have yeah. retired a long time ago. He made first-round money uh, back then. But you go, man, over the course, what a great kicker. Hey, People laughed in their face, uh, Al Davis's face for that pick, too. And he's like, oh, I Hall love of how famer. this has gone yeah. off the track. Yeah, I, I'm done. I, I just wanted to, my no. weekly Brett Maher rant is not going to stop until he's consistent enough to not be Brett well, Maher. What is your, from 55, we're, we're almost done with the kicker thing. Just hold on. From 55, though, okay, what is your, like, okay, 
you should make it level. I'm like, okay, I, I can't get mad if a guy misses a 55-yarder. I just never feel confident. I'm just hopeful. If, I never think if a guy should make it. If you hit the upright on a 55-yarder, you, you should get a point. You should get at least one point if you hit the upright on a 55-yarder. I'm more concerned about like the, the, the direction of the kick than I am like – like the the distance right? of the kick, you know, like if it had gone right? straight down the middle, no, if it had gone straight down the middle and just didn't get there, I would have been like, okay, well, it's 55 yards away, but he, you know, he d- definitely aimed it right. I was just like, okay, this guy can kick far, but can he kick accurately? That's what I'm more You're concerned right, with. I'm his, done. I'm done with talking about it. But on his 28 yeah. yard field goal and his extra points, like it's just rarely down Gosh, the middle. Gosh, man, it's like it's like watching a guy trying out to be kicker every time he goes out there. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Ken, if you're if you're at the, hold on, hold on. if you're at this point if you're at this point right now, what if let's see let's say this team everything just keeps clicking. Let's say they win thirteen games, home the home field advantage, they get no, to the NFC Championship game and they lose on a Brett Maher field goal. Like what are you gonna say then I'm gonna if you're already like, at this place now? I'm gonna play the Kent was right theme song and get out of here, you know? Call it a day, retire on a high note. I Wait, don't know. You have that theme song ready? No, 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 no. <laughs> Uh, it's just like, yeah. You've got to record it now. <laughs> games haven't come down to him, you know, making or breaking, uh, you know, victory. But you know, if they do, I have almost zero confidence that he can get it done. But um, you know, he proved me wrong last year, so we'll I see. I can't believe you're at zero. I put it at fifty fifty. I mean, that's not the confidence level I want. I don't want a fifty fifty. No, I mean, yeah, sure. No, I mean. I get it. I'm just saying I wouldn't put it. I have zero. Z- I have zero confidence that he would for sure make the kick. Is what I guess I'm trying to say. Which is um, oh, not okay. Good. I got you. I got you. Um, but yeah, uh, KT, we'll be back on Thursday uh, of this week to preview all things Saints, the Drew Breesless Saints that beat the Seahawks this week. So it should be good. Yeah, and also the the Eagles play on Thursday night a short on a short week after losing today. To go to one and two, so the, and then the Eagles go to Green Bay on Thursday night, and NFL teams go die on the road on Thursday night. So very interesting to see what the uh, the episode later in the week looks like as we're getting ready for the Saints and uh, with the Eagles losing and going one and two, and the Cowboys three and zero. Oh, things are looking pretty rosy around here, man. Rosen is that a uh... no rosy? Things are Roosevelt? rosy. Things are smelling Ro- rosy. Oh, okay. I didn't know if that was a Rosen pun or if that was a... Just, no. This is rosy. Okay. No. <laughs> Speaking of Rosen, I do think that the Vikings' best chance to win today, or at least keep it close, was Fitzpatrick, and we only saw him for a couple times. <laughs> right? But you would have thought, like, yeah, wow, they, they could actually win this game if this guy... Oh, and, and they literally were like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We're playing for a draft right here. Get him out now. <laughs> Get your butt out of here. Derek, we didn't expect the Cowboys to half-ass it in the first half, so uh, let's... Uh, He's getting chewed out on the sideline. What do you think you're doing out there completing those passes? Can't put him in. Get out of here. How <laughs> sick is Kenyon Drake, though, tonight? Like, oh. probably can't sleep, because they... they. You're right, man, uh, John. They, they, they could have maybe caught us by surprise had they gotten that touchdown and, I don't know, go in the locker room and maybe it's a different game, but, uh, whew, that was crazy. But KT, close us out here. All right, so the Cowboys are 3-0. The Dolphins are 0-3. The Saints are up next, and they uh, took down the the Seahawks in Seattle. And we'll preview them later on in the week. Please 
If you would, you know, uh, like us, subscribe to The Athletic. Of course, I would love it if you do that um, because uh, it's awesome. It's the greatest content out there. And I'm not just saying that because uh, I'm, I'm working for them. I, I find myself in a wormhole almost every day browsing articles and listening to their podcast. It's so great. So please uh, rate us, like us, do all, all you got to do, do all that stuff, you know. Um, and also be ready for next week because we're going to preview the Saints and it's going to be way more exciting than previewing the Dolphins, right? So uh, for Father John Mashoda, I am Kevin KT Turner and Kent Garrison took care of us and produced this thing as he always does. Thank you so much and thank you to everyone. Let's go for 4-0, guys. Let's go for 4-0. Let's do it. 